0: Part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at ww.cornstone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do, open to James chapter three. We're going through uh, the book of James. Um the book of James to, to many people is a very practical, practical book, and yet we're going to see that it's really rooted in the spirit, spiritual life that he does give us some practical ways of kind of handling some things. But at the root of that practical change in our life, for even instance this morning, the way that we would speak the power of words is really a spiritual message. Now, we have been really kind of misguided and, and, and lied to over the years when it comes to uh, the power of words. Uh, how many of you remember when you were growing up, sticks and stones, may break my bones. But What? Words are, and, and, you know, I, I know it was meant well, but there, I don't know that there's a more false statement in all of life than that. I mean, truly, people, their whole lives have been changed by ill-fitted words, harsh words, harmful words, words of death that were kind of spoken into by an angry person, by a person that was not helpful. And, and yet we have those kind of things, and so we kind of mimic this resilience that we really don't have alone. Remember, uh, uh, what's the other one? Words about not sticking on me. uh, Oh, yeah, I'm rubber, you're glue. What you say bounces off me, comes back and sticks on you. Playground mentality, guys. It really is playground. And, And yet we know in real life that that really isn't true. There's power in words. And we see that from the very beginning in Genesis 1, God speaks and the world is. And from that moment on, we see the power of words. And that's what really James is addressing this morning. James chapter 3, he, he talks about the power of words, but, but he never gets off topic. It really seems like he's kind of switching gears and, and maybe, you know, as he's writing this letter. Remember, back in the original writings, he didn't do, okay, chapter 3, verse 1. We didn't add chapters and, and verses until, you know, much later on. He's just writing the letter. And so sometimes when we see a chapter break, when we went last week, chapter 2, and now we're in chapter 3, we think, okay, time for a new subject. And that's really not how the letter went. He's still talking about consistency in the Christian life. He's never left his main theme that real life in Christ produces a different way of living. And so he's talked a lot about faith. He's talked a lot about uh, the real faith, as we saw last week. He said, real faith doesn't save you, but real faith very much has a way of working itself out of this changed heart. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, James was always one of those that uh, was kind of suspect by some theologians. And and remember when we began, we said that Martin Luther's called it a, a gospel of straw. In other words... It doesn't say Jesus enough. It doesn't really have this gospel message just permeating and beating all the way through it. And yet last week as we looked at what Luther replied to in reflection to, you know, yes, we have this faith. He said we are saved by faith alone. He never gravitated from that. Why? Because that's truth. But he said, but the faith that saves is never alone. In other words, what we saw in chapter 2, that this kind of real faith not pretend faith, not just saying that you're a Christian, not just going to church, but real life-changing faith and the work of the gospel through Jesus Christ, it just changes you. Why? Because it's a heart change, not just a head change. And when we begin to approach this subject here, we begin that he's very much coming back and saying, okay, we're not just talking about a modification of your behavior that used to use these words and now you use these words. That's not what James is talking about whatsoever. And we will see that. The text will prove that out. He gets back to the spiritual matter. So, guys, if you came this morning and you begin to read the scripture, and you think, oh, James chapter 3, wow, he's going to get on to us about just all those loose words and those words that we say that are hurtful. It is that. But the heart of that is a heart matter and not just a head matter. Would you not agree that we can do behavior modification to a lot of different things? You know, we can be subject of behavior modification. We can go off to courses, we can take classes, we can do all kinds of things. 30 days to a new you, we can do all those things. But that's not at the heart of the gospel. The gospel is never 30 days to a new you. No, it's death to self, what we just sang about that. Us crucified in the crucifixion of Christ, now we have this new life in Christ. It's not 30 days to that. No, it's instantaneous. When in by believing faith, by the very grace of God we begin to understand what he did and he alone, that we can't add anything to it. Given that, now it changes our life forever. Why? Because not just do we have a couple of new behaviors to enforce, but we have a new heart. And that new heart just begins to make us think and eventually act differently. So James is saying, hey, this change that comes about in your life, It's going to affect every area and certainly part of the area of our life that we use a lot is our words and our speech. If you go back to James chapter 1, in fact, he makes this declarative statement about the importance and the weight of words. Remember James chapter 1 verse 26? Several weeks ago we were looking at that. He says, if anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? He said, you know, because he was talking about pure religion. He was talking about, you know, this is, and he wasn't talking about religion as we talk about religion. That is something that, hey, we're people of relationship, not religion. No, when he was talking about it, he was talking about authenticity, belief, lifestyle, who you are. And he uses that word religion in that context in, in a positive way. He said, look, religion that really matters, life change that really matters is the kind that actually changes your life. He says if it's just kind of, you know, if he thinks he's religious and yet it doesn't change the way that you bridle your tongue, the way that you would change the way that you converse one with another, that's worthless. And now he seems to pick up with that kind of thought process again. That our words, the way that we speak one to another, the the way that we respond to words, the way that we act upon words, very much is a showing of a heart that's either been changed or not. I don't remember if it was 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, but in one of those science classes, remember litmus paper? That that was kind of a fun... I I liked the kind of science that you got to touch and feel. And I remember going in there and, you know, the the teacher explaining that litmus paper, if you've never done that experiment before, begins to see if something is acidic, it has acid in it, or if it's alkaline, if it's kind of a base. And so you take this, you know, whether it's pink or blue, and if you had blue paper and you put in an acid, what happens? Do you remember? I know sixth grade was a long time ago for some of us, but do you remember what happens? It turns red. And you, so you were able to put that down in there, and you were able to, and then blue uh, red paper would turn blue. It would just show you the content of that. If you put that blue piece of paper on lemon, guess what's going to happen? It's going to turn red. Why? Because it reveals the content of that lemon. In the same way, James is saying, our speech reveals something about us. It reveals the content of our heart. That the tongue reveals the real nature of our heart. That's what Jesus said. He said, whatever is in your heart, eventually it's going to get out. Would you agree with that? That no. you can hide it. I mean, some sometimes you, you bite your tongue, you bite your tongue, and then you come to that place. Well, I just had to say it. I felt it. So I had to say it. Number one, that's not really wise. You know, the Bible says don't do that. But it also says it's true. It's the nature came out. And Jesus spoke of this time and time again. And at most of the that he was speaking of this, he was talking to those who kind of had a religious outside. But he said, you're kind of far from really being righteous inside. The Pharisees. Man, they were shiny on the outside. They were the religious, you know, kind of, White, shining armor guys back in Jesus' day. And yet he said, your heart, a lot of your hearts, man, they're just they're stone black. They're coal black. And, and you fake everybody out because on the outside, you know the right things to kind of do. right clothes to wear and the right you know, actions to do. But he said, eventually out of this mouth is going to be a revelation of what's in your heart. Uh, Luke chapter 6 verse 45 he said for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks in Matthew kind of the same thought process he's talking to the uh, Pharisees and look what he says Matthew twelve thirty-four. he calls them a brood of vipers. Now, again, this is the religious elite. These are the people that are used to kind of, kind of almost being bowed down to a little bit. And Jesus comes up, and he always has this kind, compassionate word for people that are sinners. He said, at least you know you're a sinner, and you know you have need of a doctor. But he said, you know, you religious folks that are kind of faking this whole thing? He said, you're like a brood of vipers. And look what he continues to say. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we've seen it time and time again, even in our lifetime. We've seen pastors, we've seen politicians that didn't know the mic was on. And they've given the the, the glorifying speech and they've made all the promises and then, you know, didn't realize that the mic was still on. And then we go back and then all of a sudden that's the sound clip the next night at 6 o'clock. Hey, this is what the president, this is what the governor, this is what this person said afterwards. And whether you're a politician or you're a pastor, we've seen the same thing. Preaching the sermon, and yet afterwards, the mic on, and seeing a different reflection. That's what Jesus said. That you and I, in certain situations, are pretty good at controlling what comes out of the mouth. But if the heart's not right, we can't do that all the time. That eventually, out of the heart, whatever's in the heart, the abundance of the heart, is going to come out of your mouth. I've been there. Love my wife. We will have been married uh, in September 32 years. And some of the most evil things I've ever said. And that moment of frustration, that moment of pride, that moment of anger or whatever, I said to the one that I love the most. Folks, that's what he's saying, that until this changed heart comes, until Christ is just there... That we can control it a lot. We can kind of do some behavior modification. But do we really have this overflow of a changed heart? I, I want you to look at that today because as we begin to get into James, that's very much what he says is an indictment on all of mankind. He's not just kind of picking out a couple of people that were There's Those are the easy ones. You, you know, at the family reunion, at the workplace... Sometimes even in the church, those are the easy, you know, the easy ones. Don't be like—I don't think we have a Jim here. Okay, don't be like Jim, you know. And so we just kind of get the loud mouth. We get the one person that nobody, you know, it's obvious that he can't control his mouth. And okay, we don't want to be like him. And every family has one. Every workplace has one. Perhaps every church has one. Now or a couple. Thanks for the honesty there. But look what he says, James chapter 3, let's get into the word this morning. He says, uh, James is saying that this whole matter of our speech, our use of words, he said, hey guys, it's really a spiritual matter, it's truly a heart matter, and he brings it back to that. Look how he connects the idea of maturity, maturity in Christ, with our words in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. That word there, it means mature. It doesn't mean perfect as far as perfection. It means mature. Able also to bridle his whole body. And basically, what he's saying there is if you're able to really control your tongue, man, you have maturity. In other words, he said one of the most obvious signs of our immaturity is what? That we can not control our tongue. Now, how many of you agree this morning, before I go any farther, and it's just a, a, a testimony of, you know, my lack of maturity in this area. How many of you would agree, just at this point, that you probably are not fully mature in the use of words? And just kind of raise your hand. Good. Okay, good. Because instead, it's just, I, I would just leave at this point and just go home and study and, 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 and confess and pray. But we realize what James is saying is it's the truth. It's the truth about us, not a truth just about Jim, because he's the obvious one. And when we begin to understand that, as we begin to say, okay, man, one of the ways that I show maturity of Christ in my life, maturity in Christ in my life, is that it's going to just season the way that I speak. Then all of a sudden, it's going to change the way I approach things. I mean, folks, every one of us have been there before when something, you know, when we said, well, I, I was feeling it, I was feeling it, and, and the words just kind of jumped out. Have you been there? Yeah. Well, that's what he's saying. Out of the abundance of the heart, man, that's where your heart was. Your heart was angry. You know, you, you were frustrated. And so all of a sudden those words came out. And he says it's not like somebody forced those words in you. And there's been times in our lives that we have done. Great hurt. We still love Jesus. We, we still, you know, it doesn't mean that, okay, if you've ever said a hurtful world word that you're not a Christian. That's not what we say. So maturity in Christ. As we sing this morning, dying to self, being crucified in self means that more and more and more and more I have words that reflect a heart that is surrendered. And so even then anger comes, I repent of that, I turn away from that. Okay, God, maybe my mind tells me I can be justified in my anger here, but no, you were never angry with me. You forgave me, and as you have forgiven me, I want to forgive this other person. And all of a sudden we lay down our right to be angry and to raise our voice, and we come under surrender of the cross. That's not behavior modification. That's spiritual transformation. And that's what the gospel is all about. And so understand that as we come in here. Uh, Proverbs 17, 28. Kind of reflecting what grandma... Remember when grandma used to say, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Now that's wisdom, folks. That's, that's good wisdom. Okay. But it's not the full answer. It's, it's, grandma will learn that somewhere. Where did she learn that? Perhaps Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. Even a fool, I love this, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. That should be on our bathroom sink, you know, on the mirror, that even a fool seems, uh, who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. As one person said, why open your mouth and take away the contrary thought of that? Okay, you just proved you're not all that wise. But that's not the whole answer. We can look at this and we can say, okay, the answer is just, you know, I'm just going to be a very silent person. I'm just not going to talk that much then. If these bad things come out of my mouth, if I can be very hurtful, then I'm to be silent. And, And I pray that by the time that we get to the end of this passage, that we see that that's not really the full balance of the gospel message to us. Many of us grew up when we would come upon a passage like this, and we were always thinking of it in a negative sense. Thou shalt not. And I promise you, there's a part of this, when I read this, that says, okay, thou shalt not curse, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not yell, thou shalt not gossip, thou shalt not slander. Doesn't mean all those things, yes. But it means more than that. This is not just James saying, okay, here's the thou shalt nots. This is not James saying, okay, if you stay away from these negative things, these bad things, then you're a pretty good person. Now, it's not just the avoidance of the evil, but as we will see as we go through this, that, that more and more, that he's saying, look, I, if you're going to speak from the heart, I want you to have a life that's truly transformed. And if you have a transformed heart, then it's going to be transformed speech. And you're actually going to use words that build up rather than tear down. And we see that commandment throughout the New Testament. See, when James uses these uh, um, illustrations that we're about to come upon in the next verses, he's talking about the power of words and that our words, though they're small, seemingly, are powerful and they can change lives. How long do you really think The word stupid stays with somebody. Yeah. Not trying to be silly, not trying to be funny, trying to be real. How long does fatty, fatty two by four can't get through the kitchen door? I mean, how long does that stay? That's not playground stuff, folks. You carry that into your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. And he's not just trying to talk here about, okay, don't say harmful words to people so that they can feel good. No, he says, look, what's the motivation of that? Understand the power of your words. That they can bring life or they can bring death. And then he gives three illustrations. How the tongue, though it is small, is so powerful. Look what he says, verse 3. He said, if we put bits into the mass of of horses so that they, what? They obey us. It's a positive thing. This little bit you put into a massive, you know, horse. And he said, and yet you're able to turn it left, right? Make it go. Able to make it stop. He said the tongue's like that. It's small, but man, it can command the direction of something mighty. He goes on to the next verse, verse 4. Look at ships. Though they are also so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. you say that's not a negative thing. I mean, is that negative or positive? It's really kind of, he said, you know, if you look at the last part of it, he says, wherever the will of the pilot directs. It's not a negative statement. He said, look, this tongue, just because it is powerful, it doesn't mean that it's negative. He says, it's at your ability to control that. You can use it for good. You can use it for bad. He goes on to the last one there in verse 5. He said, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And we've lived that one out, folks. A couple loose words here, a moment of frustration there. And all of a sudden, it was three words. It was five words. It was spoken in that moment of of frustration, rage, anger, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, that relationship all of a sudden becomes broken. I mean, anybody in your family? I mean, this happens to families. Well, there's Aunt Sally. Ah, there's Aunt Marge. They haven't spoken in 35 years. Why? Well, about 35 years ago, Aunt Sally said that she made better banana pudding than Aunt Marge. Aunt Marge got her feelings hurt, and they haven't spoken since. We laugh and we think, okay, ridiculous, and yet I promise you, I promise you, that some of the arguments in your home, in your home, not Aunt Sally, not Aunt Large, have come over the smallest of things. I just didn't like the way you said that. Or I asked you that question, you didn't even say anything bad. the The, the answer isn't the absence of words. The answer is, you know, the understanding the power of words and how words either build relationships or they break relationships. That's what James is getting to. And he said, this isn't a training program of just modifying your speech that you go off to to some school and learn how to to speak more positively. And he said, this all comes down to a heart matter. That whether you're going to build up a relationship, a marriage, a family, a church relationship, whether you're going to tear it down, that the power of those words do tremendous things. Real faith, James would say, brings about real change, a change of heart. And I don't know about you folks, that gives me hope. That means I don't have to go off to school and and go to 30 days, train my mind how to say positive things. What it means is that if the problem really isn't here and God has given an answer through his son that he can give me, take out the heart of stone, as it says, and put in a heart of flesh, that the answer isn't Bobby having behavior modification. The answer is Jesus Christ. And the great part of that is that God has provided that answer for us. That's where our hope is. In recent years, we, we've, we've seen some of the, the tragedies of, of human life being uh, actually taken from some of the trained um, animals, World, Remember, uh, this is actually a picture of, of the actual orca and the actual trainer that died tragically just a couple of years ago. Maybe you remember that story. That orca, very trained, knows how to jump, has to be obedient. And then one day kind of has this revolt against the training and behavior modification. And the instinct and the real heart of that animal came out. We've heard the same thing in Las Vegas. The white tigers trained them for years, put on thousands of shows. But on that one day, the behavior modification, okay, when I do this, you do that, all of a sudden went away, and then all of a sudden the heart of the tiger came out, the heart of the orca came out. That's what James is saying. That's why he said, man, you just can't just modify this by taking some classes or, or listening to some thou shalt nots. He said if it's a heart matter, the heart has to change. The good news is that was, was what Christ offers us. Look what he says, James chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Amen. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Uh, I mean, we just saw an an orca well. I mean, I've always been misled. How do you train that well to... You know, do this and do that and not bite or not do that, but it's part of his nature. I've always been interested in behavior modification. And, and here he comes back. He says, look, James, 2,000 years ago, says, man, we know how to be, change behaviors, but, man, we don't know how to change hearts. And the tongue, without a heart change, he said it's still full of poison. So the answer isn't Christianese, Folks and please hear my heart in this. It is amazing to me. How we think if we can just start adding a couple Christian words to our vocabulary that it reflects a life change. I mean just add the word glory to your you know your vocabulary. I mean I mean every other every third sentence go home today and just you know that was really good Lunch. Glory. And you sound spiritual. Okay? I mean, there's a spiritual nature. Or hallelujah. Or praise the Lord. Uh, please, I'm not mocking. I'm just saying, guys, we can learn Christianese. And, and you know the the best place to, to learn that, of just Christian words, in the church. And, and yet, words don't change the heart. Just learning the vocabulary doesn't change the heart. And that's what he comes back. Our need is a new heart, a new nature. And that's what James begins to explain in verse 10 through 12. Look what it says. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these ought not to be so. These things ought not to be so. Does the spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? A grapevine produces figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James says you can't get fresh water from a salt pond. You can't get olives from a fig tree. You can't get words of life from a dead heart. You can get Christian ease, but you can't really get words of life from a dead heart. Let me apply this in two different ways. We'll go home today and try to live this out. Number one, if you are an authentic believer, that's what James has been talking about. uh, Now we're three chapters into it. He's not talking about religion, even though he uses that word. He uses it in a different context that we would do. He's not talking about behavior modification. He's talking about lives have been transformed by the work of Christ. He says, okay, if you're an authentic believer and follower of Christ, yeah. Words that bring death Are not to be a part of your present life He is saying thou shalt not Thou shalt not uh, Use words of hate Lies Gossip uh, False flattery Anger He said that's not to be a part of your life Are, are we still going to do that from time to time When, when the flesh takes over Yes I don't make excuse for that. That's the reality that, you know, total glorification doesn't happen until he calls me home. But in this life of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ, these words should become less and less part. Why? Because our heart is beating in a new way. The heart of stone has been removed. The heart of flesh has come. And now we're learning of Christ. Not behavior modification. We're learning of Christ. And he gives us the ability to just think and speak differently. Why do we not use those words? Because it's a commandment that would be sufficient, but they make things die. There are words that you can speak to your spouse, to your children, to your family, to another church member, to a friend that bring death. James is simply saying, man, it should not be so. If if you're a transformed life, a transformed heart, a transformed mind, it should result in a transformed mouth. Amen? And so he's simply saying, okay, follow the logic of this. If you really change from the heart, he said, let it start being reflected, even in the things that you say. Second application this morning. First one is, yeah, words that bring death, guys, (laughs) just cross them off, you know? Second application, the answer isn't just be slow to speak. Yes, he said that back in chapter 1. Be slow to speak, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak. He said that. But the answer isn't, okay, I'm not going to mess up with my mouth. Sometimes I'm just going to be quiet. Better to be quiet than a fool. But the call of New Testament Christianity truly transformed lives. If Christ is living inside of us, is not to just avoid speaking death, it is to speak life. And folks, I don't have the time this morning to go verse by verse by verse, Old Testament, New Testament, but especially New Testament, of God's call upon our lives as transformed believers, new creatures in Jesus Christ, that we are not just to avoid words of death, but we are to speak words of life. Fortunately, many of us here have been the recipients of that. Has anybody just blessed you? I mean, there's a little Christian ease for you. Have you been blessed this morning? You know, you have these little terms, but has anybody truly just been a blessing to you that at the very time that Satan wanted to re- try to give you death in a relationship, death and hope, death even in your following Christ, that somebody who loved Christ, was passionate about Christ, came in and spoke life into your life again? Not because they quoted all this scripture. Not because they had it all figured out. They just encouraged you in Jesus Christ. That's your calling if you're an authentic believer this morning. Not just the avoidance of death words, but the speaking of words of life. Listen to what Paul wrote, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Okay, so he covers the first part of our application. Corrupting talk. Talk of death. That is death words. A couple of those? Well, you never, the word never? you know about death of relationship? I mean, in our frustration, have we spoken those words? Well, you never pick me. You never take my side. It's just not true. More than likely, that's not true. And yet we, we get into these broad strokes of the, of the verbal paintbrush when we get angry or hurt and we start putting these accusations on people. And so a word like you always, or you never, those are words of death. Because more than likely, I doubt that anybody has always said these negative things or never done this. Do you get where I'm going? Tracking with me there? Okay. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. That word building up, oikotome, in the Greek means to strengthen, to make more able. Okay, here's where I was before. Now you spoke this into my life, Ricky, and now I'm strengthened and I'm made more able. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a great word? Sometimes we we see that translated edify, build up. I mean, have you seen that in action in the life of your children? I mean, we've seen words of death. And we've spoken words of death, maybe. You always, you're always, you never going to pass this if you have that attitude. And just that, that little bit of looseness in our verbiage can do great damage, guys. And I, I'm not coming from a psychological, you know, kind of sociological vantage point. I'm coming from a spiritual standpoint. I'm not just saying don't use the word stupid around your kids. I'm just saying... From, from a world's point of view, I'm just saying it's not biblical, guys. So we avoid those. We, we, he says, don't speak those. But have you ever seen the flip side? I mean, even in that moment of defeat, that you're able to take that son or daughter in, in, into your lap and, and just speak words of life into him. Man, that was a tough one today, wasn't it? But you know, God's grace is sufficient for even baseball games. And son, next week, you know, we're gonna have another game. And we're gonna try our best. We're gonna go out there. But God's grace is sufficient for even things like baseball. And we just speak the hope. Even to something as worldly, as you know, as, as basic as you know, they, they didn't win the swimming contest. They they struck out in baseball at the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. You and I have been the recipients of words of death and words of life. I I pray, I know you, I I, I doubt that there's a single person who has not been the recipient of words of death. Would you agree? I pray that you have been the recipient of words of life. That a Christ-filled, Christ-centered, Christ-loving person, someone in your life, maybe mom, maybe dad, maybe a friend, maybe a pastor, spoken to you when you felt something was dying and they spoke words of life and, and the hope of the gospel this is not just a suggestion James writes Paul writes Peter writes Jesus is quoted in the in the gospels this is our calling to speak life into one another that's that's the challenge here's your application this week avoid words of death Speak life. And that may mean that you kind of have to hit neutral. Quick to listen, slow to speak. He's not avoiding that. He's just saying, okay, what wanted to come out is that moment of frustration. So be quick to listen, evaluate the situation. And then when you do speak, he doesn't say don't speak. He says, when you do speak, you speak words of life, not just words of death. A couple of weeks ago, as we finish this morning, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about when um, we were talking about reconciliation, we were talking about that on a um, kind of world level. But to bring it back to the call of Christ in our life, we look at Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 and it says, OK, right after this new life in Christ was described, the old is gone. You become a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. Comes this immediate calling upon your life as a Christian, that you are to be a minister of reconciliation. And then in verse 9 he talks that we're carrying the message of reconciliation. Message. Words. So immediately, not by choice, but just if you're, if you're new in Christ, if, if you're a Christian, he says, okay, this is your calling. This is part of who you are now, that you are called into being a minister of reconciliation. How do you do that? By the message of reconciliation. And that is that we are to be speaking life. Let me end with this. Um, passage Psalms 40 verse 9 and 10 I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation behold I have not restrained my lips as you know O Lord I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness From the great congregation. Do you see what the psalmist is writing? He said, man, I've had a change of heart. But I didn't hide it in my heart. I didn't put like a cork on it and just kind of keep it there. He said, man, I began to speak that transformation of my life into the lives of others. The words of hope and the words of life that God has given me, man, I began to pour that into the lives of others. Have you ever been around a passionate Christian? They will either very much encourage you or they will frustrate the fool out of you. And the reason why we get frustrated sometimes is we're going, nobody can be that happy, joyful, passionate. No, the answer is you're not that joyful, happy, and passionate at the moment. But don't you ever restrain the power of the gospel and the power of a transformed mind and heart and life. Yeah, it can be irritating because sometimes if we're looking in the life of that person. and We're going, man, they're just, they're so happy it must be fake. No, very possibly. <laughs> it's just real that Jesus very much has given them a new heart, a new way of thinking, and it transformed everything about them, even the way they speak. Words of life. Who can you share with this week? If you're married, let me give you an assignment. If you're married, uh, speak words of life into your spouse this week. Purpose to do that. Not just the avoidance of words of death. Not just, okay, man, I'm just not going to say anything because if I say anything, I get in trouble. Been there, done that. Now you speak words of life. Not just flattery, not just compliments. Spiritual building up. Man, that is the power of not just praying with your wife, but praying over your wife. Parents, It's the difference between just encouraging your children and blessing your children. We can all give encouragement. but true blessing to bless your children in the favor of God Almighty by spiritual truth, reminding them that they are this wonderful creation of God, that God has a plan for their life, that He has a purpose for their life. Right after they struck out in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded... I needed to be reminded of that. That my whole value did not rise and fall of getting the scoring run in. And that's where I needed somebody who was influential, mom or dad, or somebody in my life to remind me that it wasn't just a W. Cullen. And that's where I find my worth because we won the game and I shot the the winning goal. But that even when I led up the losing goal, God has found great value in me, not false flattery, my real identity in Jesus Christ. Words of life, words of life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, we thank you that uh, as we examine our hearts this morning, that we see that you're not just calling us into a modification, Father, of of things. Okay, don't say this, don't say that. Father, certainly that's true that we're to stay away from those words of death. But, Father, it's much deeper than this. It's much more transformative than that. It's not just getting our brain to agree that these are bad words and these are good words. Father, it is getting our heart to a place where we examine, do we have a heart that truly has been transformed by the living God through the work of Jesus Christ? So, Father, I pray that as we go out to speak into marriages, as we go out to speak into our families, our children, as we would even speak in this community, Father, we may not be the biggest church, we may not have this, but that we would become known as a church in this community that speaks life into this community. Because that is your calling upon us, Father, that we are to be passionate believers and in a hurting world, and all this world is hurting. Where else will they hear the words of life than if it isn't from us, those who have had transformed lives? Through the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the ones who spoke life into us pastors, friends, parents, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us be that to our friends, to the next generation, to this community. Help us be known as a church that speaks life we love you and we thank you we thank you for your amazing grace this is not us becoming better performers this is us celebrating the amazing grace chains are gone sin has been killed and dealt with in full and now we just get you amazing grace how sweet the sound Saved personally, like, like me. Words of life. Father, thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry. You can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.